Good morning, church. Brothers and sisters. Man, it's good to be together, is it not? Yeah. Well, I'm a little stiff and sore because I must be out of shape. <laughs> I did a Nerf battle with my son and some friends and whatnot on Friday night. And man, I feel like I did leg day. It's like, it's crazy. Oy. Anyways, um, we are continuing on in our series of 2 Corinthians that we are going through throughout this summer. Uh, if you haven't been able to join us for any of the previous messages up to this point, you can find them, find them online. Uh, 2 Corinthians, we are in chapter 2 today. We're going to be looking at verses 5 to 11, so you can turn there in your Bible or go there on an app, or you can Google it, 2 Corinthians 2, 5 to 11. Before we dig into this text, let's just take a moment to pray. Almighty Father, God, we praise you, we thank you, we love you, Lord. You have been so good to us, so good to us, and we don't deserve it. And all we can do is praise your name and praise the name of your son, Jesus. Father, I pray your Holy Spirit would come and fill our hearts and our minds that you would speak, that you would lead and guide, that you would lead and guide us down the right path for your name's sake, not ours, for yours. In the name of Jesus, amen. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 5 to 11. Now, if anyone has caused pain, he has caused it not to me, but in some measure not to put it too severely, to all of you. For such a one, this punishment by the majority is enough. So you should rather turn, forgive, and comfort him, or he may be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. So I beg you, reaffirm your love for him. For this is why I wrote, that I might test you and know whether you are obedient in everything. Anyone whom you forgive, I also forgive. Indeed, what I have forgiven, if I have forgiven anything, has been for your sake in the presence of Christ, so that we would not be outwitted by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his designs or schemes. So what is going on here? Pastor Rod talked briefly about it last Sunday. So there was a guy, as far as we can tell, in the Corinthian church who kind of stirred up trouble for Paul. He kind of incited them against him a little bit to, you know, not be super happy with Paul about certain things. Now, what has happened that we, we don't see about, we just kind of see the after effects of it, is the church put this individual through um, what we call like church discipline. Now, if you are curious as to what church discipline is, uh, you can look it up in Matthew uh, chapter 18 if you want to look at what that looks like um, but they had put this guy through church discipline, which was basically like, hey, you've, you've sinned, you need to make things right. You know, obstinate, no, 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 you've sinned, we're going to go before the body of believers and say, hey, this is a problem, you need to deal with this. And if not, it's like, okay, hey, now we treat him like an unbeliever or an outsider, which 
What are we supposed to do with those who don't believe and are outside? We show love to them. We show grace to them. We show compassion to them. Um, So this is what the whole church had done at this point for this one individual. And now Paul is saying, hey, it worked. He repented. He is sorrowful for what he has done. Now reaffirm, forgive, love, comfort this person. So, what do I want to look at today? I want to look at forgiveness. Forgiveness as a believer, for those of us who follow Christ, it's non-negotiable. We are commanded by our leader, Jesus, to forgive. I mean, even what he says in Matthew chapter 6, this is what Jesus says. This is pretty intense. Matthew 6, 14 to 15. For if you forgive others their sins, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Okay, sweet. But if you do not forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. We've got to pay attention to this. That is huge. If we do not forgive, we will not be forgiven. Jesus tells the parable of the unmerciful servant, right? He owes what we would probably say is millions of dollars to his employer. And he's like, hey, please, like, give me more time. Don't throw me in jail. And his employer had compassion. He's like, you know what? I forgive your whole debt. It's gone. You're good to go. Sweet. And the guy who was forgiven so much goes out and he finds a guy who owes him 20 bucks. And he, like, beats him and throws him in jail until he can pay him back 20 bucks. And the master hears about it, and he's like, what? This makes no sense. You were forgiven millions, and you won't let a guy go for 20 bucks. This is what Jesus is teaching us on here. How much we have been forgiven by Christ is unfathomable. I know my sin is that deep and repulsive. And Christ has forgiven me so much, so Should I not forgive someone else? I mean, the disciples had a hard time with this. When, when, uh, well, I mean, even in the Lord's Prayer, what do we pray? We say, forgive us our sins as we forgive others. There's a condition in that prayer. But Peter, Peter hearing this, I love Peter, comes up. Peter says to him, Lord, so how many times? Must I forgive my brother who sins against me? Seven? Seven times? That seems like pretty generous. Jesus said, no, not seven. But 77 or 70 times seven. You know, 490. Just blows it out of the water. Like, just, basically Jesus is saying, you just forgive and you forgive and you forgive because that's what our Heavenly Father does. Jesus' disciples, uh, when he's having this conversation, Jesus says in Luke 17, even if that person wrongs you seven times in a day, the same person seven times in one day, man. I mean, now maybe if you have like a brother or sister and you're a kid, you're like, oh yeah, we fight seven times or more a day. And like, this is applicable to you. But the disciples heard this and they said, Oh, Lord, increase our faith. This is hard. 
we can't, we can't do this. And I love what Jesus says. He says, if you had faith, even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and the tree would obey you. And he goes on to say, when a servant comes in from plowing or taking care of sheep, does his master say, come on, come in and sit down and eat with me? No, he says, prepare the meal, put on your apron, serve me, and then you can eat later when I'm done. Does the master thank the servant for what he was told to do? No. In the same way, when you obey me, you should say, we are unworthy servants who have simply done our duty. We've simply done what we were told to do. This is Jesus' teaching on forgiveness. It's not about, oh, increase our faith, Lord. It's about, no, we need to obey. We need to obey. But this gets hard because, like, well, I don't feel like forgiving someone. It's not about our feelings. We do not live life by our feelings, how we feel. Because, I mean, if we live life by our feelings, I mean, that is not a great way to run your life. Like, you'd probably just stay in bed all day or not want to go to work or just eat junk food all the time. I don't know, maybe there's some people who really like salad and feel like eating salad. Actually, there's some really good salads. Okay, I do like a good salad. But we don't live our lives by our feelings. No, we live our lives by fact, by truth. We follow Jesus Christ, that who he is. I often describe it like this. It's like your feelings are like the caboose or the butt of a train. They're way down the track somewhere, but they'll catch up. They'll get there. The engine might be at the top of the hill and the feelings might be at the bottom, but eventually your feelings do come in line with what we decide to do, especially as believers. So the disciples, they come to Jesus and like, Jesus, give us more faith on this. This is hard to forgive seven times in one day or even more, 70 times seven. Like, this is a lot because somebody hurt me. But I love what Jesus said. He's like, it's not that you need more faith. He's like, you have just a little faith. You can tell this tree to walk into the sea all like Lord of the Rings style. Like, that's crazy. Like, sometimes I'm like, hey, I have a tiny little bit of faith. But when I think about telling a tree to walk into the sea, I'm like, ah, oh, my faith is still smaller than tiny. Like, anyways, forgiveness. Very clearly, Jesus says this is a command that you must do as believers who follow him. It's non-negotiable. And I would say unforgiveness is actually sin. To forgive is the duty of every Christian. Yes, I said duty. So what does forgiveness include? What does forgiveness include and what does it actually look like? Because this is, this is where for me a lot of years, this is where I kind of got stuck. I was like, okay, I forgive, dun to dun to dun and move on. But when you think about that, that is, that's only the starting place of forgiveness. That is only making a choice in your mind to forgive someone, but it's not actually carrying through with any action. It would be like this. It would be like, I'm going to start exercising so my legs don't hurt so bad when I do a little nerf war with my kid. But then I don't do anything about it. 
my decision to exercise is, is incomplete. I'm like, okay, I want to exercise. Awesome. Now I actually have to take an action step on that. I need to get on my bike. I need to go for a swim at the pool. I need to go for a walk or a run or whatever it might be that you do. You actually have to take a step to follow through with that. The same goes for forgiveness. Forgiveness without action, I would say, is incomplete. Look at what Paul says to the Corinthian church about the man that had been disciplined. He says, now turn, forgive him, comfort him, so that he may not be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. And I beg you, reaffirm your love for him. These are the action steps for them to follow out what their forgiveness looked like for this man. There needs to be an action step in your forgiveness. I love what Jesus says in Luke 6, 27. He lays it out greatly. He gives us some awesome action steps that we can take in our forgiveness. Luke 6, 27, 28. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who persecute you. And pray for those who abuse you. He gives us three awesome steps. To do good for them, to bless them, and to pray for them. And I love how he says it all at the beginning. This is what love looks like. He's like, love your enemies. What does it look like to love your enemies? Well, you do good for them, you bless them, and you pray for them. Because forgiveness, I would say, is an act of love. God so loved the world that he gave, he did something to demonstrate his love, his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will be able to be forgiven and have eternal life. Forgiveness is a part of love. So I would say what we're doing when we forgive somebody is to show love. Now, love is an action. Or as DC Talk said it best, love is a verb. Love DC Talk. So he's saying here, you got to love your enemy, and this is what it looks like. But you might say, well, the person that I need to forgive, I wouldn't necessarily classify them as like an enemy. Because that's, that's pretty harsh. I don't know if any of us would be like, I have an enemy. I mean, maybe like the devil, like we'd all agree with that. But like personally, we're like, well, I don't really have an enemy. It's just, well, this person hurt me, and I'm just going to hurt about it. If this is what... Jesus is telling us to do for our enemies. Don't you think we should do this for those who aren't our enemies, like our friends, our acquaintances, mothers, brothers, sisters, coworkers, bosses? Like, I think this goes across the board. What is the greatest, second greatest commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. And who is your neighbor? I would argue that your neighbor is anyone who comes across your path. Anyone who is around you at any point is your neighbor, and that's who we're supposed to love. So, what does it look like to forgive? Maybe you have a situation that you're like, hey, I forgive this person, and then it just keeps coming back, and you forgive this person, and it keeps coming back, and you forgive this person. It keeps coming back and keeps coming up in your mind. Maybe you need to walk out some action steps towards that person. So let's look at those three things that Jesus says 
that you can do to your enemies or those you need to love. You do good to them. I mean, that's kind of self-explanatory in my mind. It's like you do something good for them. I mean, you could speak well of them. You could help them. You could give them a gift. You could whatever, whatever it might be. Now, what I would say is in all these steps, seek the leading of the Holy Spirit to guide you in what he wants you to do for each person that you need to forgive. Because he knows. He knows you. He knows them. He knows what's best. Bless them. There are a good many blessings written down in this book. If you need an example of, man, what do I do to bless someone? Just search it up in God's word. Of a blessing to speak over, to pray over someone who you need to forgive. The Lord convicted me uh, in this last year of this. Because, I mean, COVID's been rough. And I think it's stirred up a lot of stuff inside of us. I mean, which God uses, right? It's the, it's the heating up and, the, and the, the ugly impurities start coming to the surface. So then God can, God can deal with them and get rid of them and remove them out of your lives. And there's a, a dearly loved church uh, in town that I started being bitter and angry toward. Because they were doing things differently through COVID than I would have done. And then, you know, people from our church started going there, and I started, uh, I started to get angry about it. And the Lord convicted me. He was like, what are you doing? You love those brothers and sisters. You love that church. You love the leaders at that church. And I need to do some work in my own heart. I needed to forgive, and I needed to bless so I started praying blessing over them. And it's amazing what happened to the feelings, the caboose of my train. Now there's nothing but love and support and encouragement. Do good to them, bless them, pray for them. Man, there is unending amounts of things you can pray for someone. I mean, I mean, like good things. I mean, we're not praying bad things on people. That would be called a curse, not a prayer. Um, we are praying for things like their health, their prosperity, favor with their spouse or their coworkers or their boss. We're praying that they would know Jesus if they don't know Jesus. We're praying for their protection. We're praying for wisdom for them. So many different things. Praying for their kids. Really what we're doing is we are coming into the throne room of God and bringing them with us and being like, hey, God, we're here. What do you want? What do you want for this person? And then we're praying that as he leads us and he guides us. Now, I will make a precursor or a whatever. I'll make a statement about this. You may not be able to do all these three things with everybody that you need to forgive. Because there's some situations where it's probably not wise. If you have been abused by someone, it's probably not wise for you to have a relationship with them. But you can sure bless them and pray for them. Now maybe the person you need to forgive is dead. I would say seek the Lord on what you can do to help your 
your mind get in line with what Jesus has for them or has for you in your walk with him. Because we just hang on to this stuff and it's not good. There's a reason why Jesus commanded us to forgive because he knew how he made us. And he knew it's not good for my people to hang on to bitterness and anger and grudges. It just destroys us. So you won't necessarily always be able to do all three of these things for everybody you need to forgive, but pray and seek the Lord on which ones that you can do. So much good comes from forgiving. Jesus knew that. I think that's one of the reasons why he commanded us to forgive, because he knew the good that comes from it. And there's so many benefits that actually happen in our own lives when we forgive. I mean, for one, we read it already. God says if you don't forgive, he won't forgive. So when you do forgive, he forgives. I mean, like, (laughs) I want to be forgiven because I know the depths of my heart. I need his forgiveness. I mean, the other, other benefit is it prevents the enemy, the devil, from gaining a foothold in your life. Because the enemy is seeking, trying to find anybody he can destroy and tear down. He hates believers, anyone who follows the Son. He is seeking for a way to get into your life and to put you in bondage and bring you down. And there is nothing I know more than bitterness to bind somebody up. When we forgive, that removes <laughs> the possibility of the enemy gaining a foothold in our lives. I mean, I would say that all sin has potential to give the enemy a foothold. So, what do we do? We confess, we stop what we were doing, and we forgive. And the enemy cannot gain a foothold. When we forgive, it actually covers over a multitude of sins. Have you heard that verse? Love covers over a multitude of sins. When we forgive, it covers over a multitude of sins. And I would say even, it keeps others from falling. Because what happens if you're in a group of just angry, bitter people? You start to become angry and bitter just like them. We become whatever we surround ourselves in. Whatever you marinate yourself in is what you are going to smell like. So when you forgive, you become someone that is awesome to be around. That's a positive example, an encouragement to other people. I mean, parents, this is huge. Your kids pick up on who you have grudges and bitterness against, even though they don't know why. We need to forgive. Because then they're going to get a grudge and be bitter against that person and have no clue why, just because you were at one point. We need to forgive. Maybe it's a church or a pastor or a leader somewhere. I mean, we're all sinful and broken and hurt people hurt people. So we need the healing of Jesus. 
And I mean, that's, that's another reason and benefit of forgiveness is you will experience healing. Spiritual, emotional, and sometimes physical. There's people I know of who have finally been able to forgive someone and a physical issue they were having was gone. Because forgiveness brings freedom. We need to forgive I mean, and I'm only scratching the surface of the benefits that come from when we forgive other people and the good things that God pours into our life because of it. Because he knew how we were created. So, I mean, this is the thing. I mean, you don't have to do a show of hands, but you can if you want to. Like, who here has ever been hurt by somebody? I think that's all of us. Every single person. So this is for all of us. To forgive. And yes, it can be very hard and difficult. Quite painful often. But it is so much better. It is so much better. We need Christ's forgiveness. Just think about how much you have been forgiven. How can we then hold back forgiveness on anyone? Just like that wicked servant who tries to get 20 bucks. It's like, come on, seriously? I mean, this last year, especially with COVID, there's been a lot of offense and hurt that has gone around from all kinds of different places. I think we need to forgive. No, I know <laughs> we need to forgive. I know I need to forgive. But what if they don't ask for forgiveness? The guys crucifying Christ didn't ask for forgiveness. As they were nailing him to the cross, and yet he said, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. Jesus forgave them. And I was thinking about it. When Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing, who is he addressing? And I started thinking about it. I was like, the Romans, the Pharisees, Maybe even the disciples for deserting him. Because you think that might have hurt? That guys you built in for three years leave you in your darkest time? Jesus forgave. So we're going to take a moment now. I know this might be uncomfortable for you, but it's important enough for me to make this happen. We're going to take a moment. I just want you to pray. Open up your heart and your mind to God to bring to mind someone that he wants you to forgive, that you need to forgive. We're going to take a moment for that before we move on. So, Father God, Lord, we know your teaching on forgiveness. We know you modeled and gave us the example of what it looks like, God. So we humbly ask that 
that you would help us to walk in your path. God, so if there's anybody that we need to forgive, God, I pray that you would bring them to mind. you had someone come to mind now you know the first step is to choose to forgive and then there's three action steps and I'm going to send you home to take homework or to do homework take some time today if you had someone come to your mind take some time to pray through the three steps to do good to bless and to pray for that person in your process of forgiving them. And seek the Lord on what he wants you to do for those or, or if you can do some of those. Because this is so important that we can't just put this aside. Don't walk out of here and be like, oh, I kind of had a name and I wasn't sure and I just ignored it and I don't want to deal with it. No. There is freedom that comes when we walk the way that Jesus has asked us and directed us to walk. And don't you want freedom? I do. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you would want what is best for us that you would seek for us to walk down the right path to find freedom, to find victory, walking in your forgiveness. God, and we thank you so much for your forgiveness that you pour out in overwhelming measure on us again and again and again. I pray that we would do the same. We pray these things in the name of Jesus, amen. I want to thank you for coming and joining us this morning. And uh, I love what Ephesians 3.20 says. It says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than you could ask or imagine. To him be glory in the church forever. Amen? Amen. All right. Go in God's peace.